What if I told you that being in the right place at the right time was not a circumstance of luck? What if I told you it's a skill that you could learn and leverage to achieve your goals and dreams? This is the Right Place Right Now podcast with Travis Fields and Brandon Johnson. In today's episode, we talk to author, speaker, and coach Alan Briggs. Alan helps leaders avoid burnout, get healthy, and reach more impact. He coaches leaders, consults with teams, curates leadership experiences, and creates life-altering content alongside his team at Stay Forth Designs. He also co-hosts the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Alan has been a pastor, church planning catalyst, and an entrepreneur. His three books, Staying is the New Going, Guardrails, and Everyone's a Genius, help leaders take their next right steps. In this episode, we learn from Alan how to add value to those around you, how to design your life to be both beautiful and functional, how to avoid burnout, and how to use limitation to breed innovation. Enjoy this conversation with our friend and fellow leader, Alan Briggs. Hey, Brandon here. And before we get started with today's episode, I want to ask you a favor. You see, this show thrives because of the direct support from our listeners. You can help us by providing a five-star review, leaving some love in the comments, or subscribing to make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. In doing so, you're not only supporting the show and promoting our growth, but even more importantly, you're providing direct support to our amazing guests. That way they can continue to share their stories and inspire others. Do us a quick favor, take a moment to comment, review, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate you, and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Right Place Right Now podcast, Alan Briggs. Woo! And the crowd goes wild. Hey, guys, that may have been the best entrance ever to a podcast. So good to be here with you guys. You have three bearded guys talking about life, man. I've been pumped for this. You no, know, we didn't even talk about that. I, that's a good call. We should probably do some sort of branding with that, just like a silhouette of three beards or something. I mean, really, what could go wrong? <laughs> you could scare away all women that ever want to listen to this podcast. Like a lot of things could go wrong, but what could go right? What also, go right. Lot. That's the question. It's worth the risk. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about things that can go right. So you, sir, are, you are in everything right now. Like I've just been introduced to you within the last month or so through Travis. Uh, got a ple- had the pleasure of going through a podcast boot camp that you were uh, co-hosting. I've looked at your books. You've got this journal. You're in the right place right now in a lot of places. Has that always been the case? Are you always just a dude who's lucky that happens to be falling in the right spot at the right time? Yeah, that man, that's a great question. So first of all, I will say that I have had so much luck. And Jim, I got Jim Collins who wrote Good to Great. Um, he calls it who luck. So I've had a lot of who luck in my life to be exposed to the right people at the right time. But I, I will also say that when I'm exposed to the right person at the right time, um, I have a next step. I follow up, I connect with them. And so it's interesting. Sometimes people have said, Alan, all that you do, like I'm overwhelmed thinking about your life. And the main thing maybe that's overwhelming is I have four kids at home, right? And I have two other humans that live with us right now who are friends that live in our basement. Like they're overwhelmed period at that, but it didn't happen overnight. And so it's kind of like slowly you add one more thing and then you add one more thing. And so it's actually been very purposeful and intentional um, in about the last 10 years and to make sure I can handle one more thing at a time. And so we worked for about a year to launch the journal, but we already had coaching at that time. Somebody reached out to help us with some of our social media. Well, they ended up on our team. And so I would just say to anybody listening, if, if you want to do a lot of things, uh, make sure you do them purposefully and add them one at a time, but also get a team because you mentioned I co-host. Uh, I co-do almost everything in my life. Even a book, your name's on the front, but you have an editor, you have a publicist, you have other people involved in the process. We've got you know, designers designing these beautiful you know, tools that we have that technically I've created, and yet they make them come to life. So I just think it's a misnomer to think um, that anybody is like the solo creative. Um, that's an oxymoron, but that person's also a moron. If you're trying to do all the things, you're trying to be creative on your own, 
first of all, it just doesn't happen. Secondly, it ain't going to happen for long. And so I love talking about sustainability and team because I wouldn't be doing all the things that I get to do that I love doing if I didn't have time, um, very purposeful process, and then ultimately a team. Yeah. Uh, we talk on, on this podcast a lot about just being in the right place, but really the right place often can, can be the right relationship. It's the right people. It's not necessarily doing the right things and making the right moves. It's really making the right connections and forming the right relationships. That gets you even further, really, than doing all the things. Oh, yeah, 100%. I was in Fort Worth, Texas last week. And for me, that was the right place because that put me around 14 different leaders. Some of them are pursuing coaching. Some of them are pursuing some next steps with us, and that may develop into another experience that I love doing um, and may get invited to host or curate another experience. So absolutely, I think when you're heading toward the right place, you also better be ready to connect. You better be ready to follow up. You better be ready to ask somebody, hey, how can I serve you? I love what you're doing. I just got off the phone with somebody and I just, you know, catching back up with his life. He's doing some incredible things. Uh, and my question is always to him, I love what you're doing. How can I help? And he may call in some favor and need me to, you know, help him find a place in Colorado to rent for his next event, or he just may need me to support him and care for him uh, in the next hard season. Who knows? But I think if you come in with that posture of how can I help, I'm around some amazing people. I'm not going to waste this opportunity. And I'm also not just going to take this opportunity for myself and sort of cash it in, like taking a selfie with somebody famous. It's like that immediately counts you out of grabbing that moment ensures that you are not going to have another moment. Yeah. Yeah. The right place always includes adding value. It always starts with adding value and not taking. Yeah. And I think what that does is let's bring in some scientific laws here, right? Like objects in motion stay in motion. And one of the things that I find myself struggling with sometimes is I'm really good at putting myself in the right place. But then when that door opens that I've been knocking on, I clam up. So if you're working with somebody, cause you're a coach, let's give let's give us some insights here. I'm basically just trying to get better through this conversation. If that's okay. I'm, I'm tapping hey, free you for consulting. Free coaching. This is yeah. free coaching and consulting. I'm in man. So, so how do you offer or what do you suggest or how do you walk somebody through that of they might've been in Fort Worth and put themselves in the right, right spot but they're just really hesitant to put themselves out there and connect on that personal level. Maybe they don't know their own value to bring to the table is the problem you yeah. offer. Yeah. First of all, fulfill your promises. If you told somebody that you would get them that book um, that you talked about, you'd get them those notes, you'd get them that thing, follow up on that link. People are always amazed when you do what you say you would do. I mean, the bar is so low right now that when you follow through on your word, people are like, that's incredible. This guy's honest. It's crazy. And so you just remember that, write that down and you follow that link up because they're like, yeah, I'd love to read that. And I just take a, a note and then I take a note in my phone on that. The other one would just be follow back up with the group of people and just say, it's awesome to meet you guys. Let me know if you ever need anything. If you're ever out in Colorado, would love to go to FH Beer Works and introduce you to some incredible beer and some of the best tacos in town. Um, and you just kind of leave that open. Most times people go back for something transactional and I would just say, go back and leave it there with them. You're in the front of their mind. If they need something, people do come to Colorado where I live. So they're going to come through and they're going to say, Hey, let's hang, let's, you know, whatever that next step is. The other thing is sometimes people will kind of leave a hint out there, Brandon, where they'll be like, Hey, you know, I was, I was thinking about coaching and can you tell me a little bit more? And we have like a five minute micro conversation on it and nothing else. And then I'll follow back up later. I have their contact info and I'll just say, hey, if you want to have a longer conversation, let me know. Do like a 30-minute you know, Zoom call and let's just reconnect on that. Uh, I know we didn't get much time to talk about it. I'd love to share exactly what it's about. Cool. So there's no sell there. I'm literally offering my you know, expertise to them for 30 minutes for free and I'm not going to do a hard sell. People are really allergic to the hard sell where you're going too quickly. So I like to try to fulfill the promises add some value, and then ultimately just leave myself front of mind because who knows, maybe they're not going to be the one that comes to me for coaching or experience, but they introduce me to somebody else. doesn't matter what state they're in, right? They'll do an email intro. Uh, I had that happen. Somebody said, just got back from Montana, met some high capacity leaders. They're interested in experience. Can I introduce you guys? Absolutely. That person hasn't hired me out for an experience, but they are going to introduce me to somebody else. I can actually add value to my friend Brad by following up 
and making sure that he was then valuable to that other person by leading them to me. So I just, I think it comes back to value again, Travis, value, 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 um, give more than you take. And uh, I don't know who said the quote, somebody smart um, was keep adding value and eventually others will see you as valuable and um, value, value, value. Um, too many people, especially leaders, you get high on a chain. Everybody wants something from you all the time. And I want to be the guy that gives. I want to be the guy that's generous with my time, whether it's five minutes or 30 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes. Um, I want to give more value than I ask people for. Your, your company is called Stay Forth Designs. Tell us about that. What is, uh, what is Stay Forth? Yeah, well, Stay Forth, obviously, a, a bit of a play on words. Everybody's talking about go forth, manifest destiny, conquer the next thing, carpe diem. You know, this is Merca. We conquer stuff. We we go for the next thing, the next hurdle. And I started to realize years ago as I was beginning to coach leaders that the issue was not information. And most times the issue was actually not even competency. Um, the issue was sustainability. And sometimes we don't learn our lessons. Many times we don't learn our lessons. And yet we get the retest the next week. We get the opportunity to and say, man, I failed here, but you get an opportunity to succeed again. You get an opportunity to try it again, to get back up and dust yourself off. And I found most of the issues that people leave that job for, that position, that team for, will actually go find them. Because it turns out the team wasn't the issue. We were the issue. The issues travel really well with us in our carry-ons. And so I started to see that in my own life. And, and those that I coach, they'd move around and they were having the exact same thing happen again. Then they do two years, three years, four years. And then they'd either get fired or move on and head to another place. I thought if we don't deal with these leadership issues head on, they will come back and they will come back with a vengeance in our relationships, friendships, marriages. Um, our kids get older and, and begin to see them easier in us. And I just thought our lives, our purpose, our calling, vocation, whatever we're calling that is way more valuable uh, than most times we realize. You can't just pack up, go somewhere else, find a new position, uh, and everything's fine. And we've hit a reset button. And so began to dig in, Travis, with people on uh, what are those lurking issues? What are those areas that are confusing to you? Maybe the areas of struggle, areas of failure, weakness. Lean into those, see some success. And um, the, the word design, we kind of, people say, are you guys a design agency? And we say, yes, but not like you think. So honestly, I kind of like messing with people in that way because they don't know that we're about coaching when they see our logo. And uh, really, we, we talk about life design. This started out of Stanford Business School. And um, there's, there's literally, they talk about designing your life. And design is about form and function. And I love design uh, that is done right. A building where it's functional and yet it's beautiful. And so how do we live lives that are functional um, and they, they work? They actually work, but it also are beautiful, right? They're purposeful. They're meaningful. Those two can go together. And so I live at the intersection of that. And so kind of those two phrases put together, stay forth. And then the idea of design, designing your life, designing your leadership, how do those fit together? The adventure is right below our feet. Um, the adventure is right in front of us. We have relationships around us. We've got opportunities. Um, we need not run somewhere else to think someday I'll be fulfilled. Um, six jobs later, 15 years later, um, you will probably find yourself in the exact same spot, um, probably feeling more desperate because you, you're going to feel like you have less time uh, as that has slipped away. So that's my burning passion behind what we do. If we can help leaders get healthy, um, understand who they are, and then live sustainably, not only can they live healthy, but they end up creating more impact and more waves around them in the world. So when you're talking designing life, First of all, I just want to point out that you just said, I'm the common denominator in all of my continuing problems. Is that what we're saying? Yep. Turns out. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to, we might have to cut that out because I don't want my wife seeing that, but I wanted oh. to bring that up. <laughs> oh, that's fair. The good news is though, we can also be the common denominator in changing that. Right. And the successes, right? The, the things that you have to, at some point, Brandon, like, let's, okay, let's pull this thread to say, man, there is like deep beauty and there's deep brokenness in us. And we say, man, there's some repeating patterns. Objects in motion stay in motion unless act on by an outside force. You know, Jim Collins also says we have to confront the brutal facts. And it's like if people around us are, what, intimidated by our leadership or bull over us, we can't make a hard decision. Um, we've got to grow in that area. We have to lean into it. But also we have some incredible strengths. I call them your genius. Like what is your genius? What are you amazing at? What are you better at than 10,000 other people? And at some point, we've got to own that too. Because 
uh, that doesn't do anybody any good. This false humility of like, well, I'm not that great at it. And it's like, man, I have, I have learned by both nature and nurture, I can connect people. I'm a good connector. Other people have affirmed that it doesn't do the world any good to be like, nope, I, I don't have any gifts in connecting people and I should never connect to anyone else. There are people who will have their callings unlocked because I put two people together and got out of the way. I have to own that at some point. So we've got to own our gifts. We've got to own our weaknesses. We've got to lean in to both. But I would say lean toward the gifts as we begin to work and deal with the hard truth. And my wife's a great mirror. My counselor's a great mirror. Friends of mine are great mirrors to me for both the positive and the negative, um, the, the prickly stuff. So yes, both of those are true, guys. I appreciate you sharing both sides of the spectrum. Maybe that's why you guys are here. It's like good cop, bad cop. You just don't know which one you're getting today. So Brandon's the bad cop over there. But thank you, Travis, for also being a good cop. I'd like to think that we're both good cops. <laughs> there, are good, there are good cops out there, and, and we have two of them here. So how did you, you're, you're helping people design life and, and you talked, I don't think you said specifically, but it sounded like you're not just touching on this self recognition and introspection. You also kind of touched on health. Does, what does that include that you're helping leaders do? Yeah. I mean, if we just dig in as practical as possible, if the way that we invest our time is unhealthy, if then we are going to be behind all the time, we're going to be grasping for straws we're going to feel overwhelmed. People pick that up. We're not going to be grounded. You know, I mean, for this amount of time that we have locked off here, like my phone's on airplane mode. There's no place I'd rather be in the world right now. I'm fully invested. And if I didn't want to be on this podcast, I wouldn't have said yes to it. And I think too many leaders are committing to so many things. And so let's just start with our schedules. Just start with our priorities. Are the things that matter to you most, the ones you're actually giving time to? And too many times, uh, we have this incongruence between who we are and, and our values and what we're actually doing. And so I know that, Travis, we've talked about this with experience curve and so many of the things. It's like, man, what are you built for? And at some point, you got to go do that, that thing. So health, uh, we do a lot of work around priority, a lot of work around time, uh, a lot of work physically as well. While we don't like, you know, coach people, we're not fitness coaches in that a lot of times around sleep and around diet and around, hey, why do you need seven cups of coffee every single day? Uh, you know, are you getting adequate rest? Uh, and so none of these things are sexy to, to boil it down to health. Nobody ever at 21 is like, I want to grow up and be healthy someday, right? Said no 21-year-old ever. Like, we want to go up and, you know, grow up and crush it and change the world. But the people who are burning out, um, I, I see the commonalities that I just pushed so hard and have any rest. I didn't have any margin. I'm old school, but I take at least a day a week to completely replenish and just away, uh, almost always away from screens. I will uh, take texts and calls from friends that I'm actually close to and are life-giving, but I push work out of my life and sort of let some things regenerate that just got tired uh, and run down during the week, even, even a week that I absolutely love. So those are a lot of things that we help people do uh, in coaching. We also help them ask uh, about priorities. Um, that are not being met, things that you're not chasing, dreams that you have. How do you pr actually pursue a dream? What are your next steps? And too many people feel stuck. I just got off a call with a gal I'm coaching and she's like, this is a distant dream, you know, way down the line. And the question is why? Why does it have to be? You know, maybe they could, you could work toward getting donors and you could do the first step of that. What's your first step? And it takes us out of that stuckness, that powerlessness, and actually helps them build a strategy. And so we're always asking, What's your next step? What's your next step? What's your next step? But the idea that a mountain is climbed one step at a time, whether we're kicking in the ice step or taking huge strides uh, up a grassy meadow, meadow one step at a time. You mentioned burnout. What does burnout look like? And I guess more so, what does it look like before we get to burnout? How do we know we're headed that way? That's a great question. It's going to be a little bit different um, for everybody. And I actually recently have kind of written a white paper on it and done a couple talks on it specifically because I'm incredibly concerned about how many leaders are overwhelmed and leading to burnout. But um, if you're feeling a constant sense of overwhelm, um, then that is pre-burnout because in overwhelm, we, we are desperate. We're not thinking right. Our adrenal system is going all the time. I almost burned out about two years uh, into my leadership journey and, um, and it, it hit really quick for me. And so I was sprinting hard it often feels like everybody needs me all the time, which is just not true. I can't take time off. I just can't take time away from my phone. Uh, I'm locked in, you know, all the time. I have to be getting that email right as it comes in. 
Um, and so you can see it easier in other people. So I think that's the trick is how do you feel that in yourself? So just asking people around you is really helpful. Um, better in that sense uh, to have a window into, into this than a mirror uh, looking back at yourself. Um, but also the idea like, can you actually relax? You know, physically, can you sleep? A lot of times people are waking up at three to four in the morning with uh, anxiety and your, your brain is spinning. What's interesting about burnout, Travis, is that it's, uh, some people have said that it's really like voluntary slavery, that we've taken that on. It's, it's usually not a boss driving you to, that, to work 90 hours a week. It's voluntarily, I got to do a little bit more. I got to do a little bit more, which is ultimately rooted in insecurity that I'm not doing enough. Um, and to take it a layer deeper, it's rooted in identity of I am not enough. And if I do enough, I'll prove my worth. Then they'll want me. Then they'll pay me to be in this role. But then I can drive a respectable car and people will love me. Like that is a, that is a rabbit hole. But at some point, we've got to go down that to say, why do I feel like I need to be outputting all the time, producing all the time, working all the time, people pleasing all the time. And at some level, it comes down to identity um, and the insecurity that's, that's there. And so physically, it's going to have effects. Mentally, it's going to have effects. Some people will be like a, a bit of a mental breakdown. Uh, for others, physically, it's just a constant exhaustion. Uh, I put up a Facebook post not that long ago, and people were saying, you know, who had burned out were giving comments and just, you know, like trying to run through quicksand and these kind of things where you just can't do the things that you did at the effectiveness and the pace. And ultimately, there's a bit of a numbing and just a loss of your passion. Your dream job, you wake up and it's your nightmare and you say, how did I get here? And so those would be things to pay attention to a couple of markers along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I've been there a couple of times with this brewery. You know, you get so I think far I've seen you in some of those moments. Like <laughs> I would just, you know, many times I've called you and been like, Hey, you got time for a beer? <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's always a good sign of just like, dude. And the reality is it's just been hard. It's been a hard season for so many people. If you start something new, then you may have to push it for a season. You just, that's not sustainable long-term. So it wasn't like you were doing something wrong. It's just like, you have a huge dream. And you have a sprint. We also talked before you did that, Travis, and you were resting really well and you knew it was coming. And it's kind of like winter's coming. Let's chop as much wood as possible, you know? Yeah, and you're kind absolutely. Of like, all right. And so I just think that's, we're all going to have hard seasons. COVID has been incredibly disorienting. And so it's not like everybody's operating at optimal health right now. No, we're trying to figure out some days surviving is thriving. Have little kids, good luck. That first year or two, is going to be a bit of a beat down, you know, sweet little kids. You're going to be so tired. You're not going to remember that, you know, like that's just kind of part of the gig. So don't beat yourself up if you're listening to this and saying, I don't feel like I'm healthy right now. What's your plan? Make sure that it's not forever. It's not sustainable. Yeah. That, that's the key. What's the end game? Yeah. Can we actually touch on that? Because you just brought up the season that we're in, right? Where uh, it's conveniently groundhog day and it feels like we've been in groundhog day since COVID started a year ago almost and it's just been this perpetuating get up go to your home office go to bed and for a lot of people who have you know lost jobs or found themselves in very uncertain situations there's it might not be burnout but there's a lot of uh hesitancy to put themselves out there and to move forward or to go and find something like you said some side of purpose so what do you offer somebody that's kind of in that boat right now I think um, we, at some point we've got to start something or continue something that gives us a spark. And for me, I have to produce something tangible. Like I'm a, I'm a creative and I'm a creator. So I create things, uh, I build things. And so whether I'm planting a garden, whether I'm painting for a season, I'm not talking about painting the house, like painting something fun on a canvas that I want to paint, you know, painting the house is like the opposite of that for me. Um, whether it is uh, creating something beautiful out of food. I love tacos, got a thing with tacos. Uh, I've been uh, smoking ribs a lot lately. Like that to me has been something that I learned. And so you, you may not be able to pull out of some of the challenges right now that you have at work. Relationships, incredibly life-giving. You know, Travis mentioned, hey, if you're struggling or just like kind of down, call a friend. After COVID, we had a night, and I think you were there, Travis, where it's just like five or six of us around the fire. And it was like, how you doing? I just survived that season. What's going on? And so, you know, kind of misery loves company in the sense of, well, it's community. It's, it's how we're built. It's how we're designed. So um, I think those would be a lot of places to start hobbies. A lot of times when we get so locked into work, we forget the things that we love. And one guy, a coach, it's like, dude, when's the last time you played nine holes of golf? And he's like, I probably should do that. 
you know, and while you're at it, invite a few buddies along to be able to do that. So we've got to have some things that give us life um, besides our work. Um, that's not meant to be everything in our life. And yet it's very meaningful, the things that we cultivate. But, you know, I'm at home building stuff. Uh, and, and that's one way that I absolutely love um, to, to live and to, um, you know, operate with my friends or by myself is just to, to create stuff. So what are those things that give you a spark? I think that's really important. And secondly, what have you lost, you know, uh, in the process? It, have you lost your desire to go do the things that you love? I love coaching leaders. I mean, I love helping leaders clarify and take their next steps. But if I schedule too many coaching clients and, and I have too heavy of a load, then I'm going to sort of dread the next coaching client. Um, the next meeting, maybe you have, you know, two coffee meetings a week is great, but when you have 15, you can't fit it in your life and you absolutely dread it. So at some point you've got to say no to things that aren't life-giving or it isn't time for them to build some boundaries and yes to the things that are life-giving. And I call those drains and fills. I've experienced that too. I, I think a lot of times we start to go towards burnout. We maybe, I know for me, I kind of forgot about the things that I love. Like I, I came out of that season of crazy opening the brewery and then this season of expansion a couple of years ago, I came out of that really feeling like I don't even know what I would do if I had time anymore because I've spent so much time working on the thing. How do you reconnect with the things that you used to like, you know, if maybe if it's not so obvious in your life of, uh, or, or not as possible, like I love wakeboarding. I can't just go wakeboarding all the time. I don't have a boat. So, you no, know, those kind of things. Not, yeah, not yet. <laughs> um, but, you know, but I used to snowboard all the time. That was life-giving to me. I have kids and a business now, and it's not so easy to get up there. So some of those things have even been, like, they're just not as feasible to do all the time. Totally. So I guess maybe the question should be, if you had those kind of things that you used to love, you know, we all have those things when we're 20, and now we're 35, 40 and, and have families, maybe those things don't look the same anymore. How do we find things that we can love that maybe we don't even know about? Yeah, you said the right phrase is, is you're kind of looking back to your past at those things. So it's often not discovering new things, although especially if my wife wants to do something and I'm like, hmm, yeah, let's do that. That'd be fun. Uh, and so like little, little things, it doesn't have to be huge things. We, have, we all have limitations on time, money, energy, right? As we have kids, um, we kind of push it aside as this isn't very important, but it's hugely important. It's just never urgent. So like so many important things in life, hugely important, just never urgent. But that call is there of like, this is silly or this costs too much money. And you know what? For the season, that may be true, right? You may or may not be able to buy a boat. But the question is, how do we get three days on the lake? like we do? How do we find a way to be able to do that per year? Or it's, man, I really love connecting with friends and I miss that. I just need to schedule an hour of happy hour with friends and work that into my schedule, skip lunch so I can make that work. And you've seen me many times at the brewery where I'll gather five, six guys, especially in the winter around that fireplace. It's amazing. And it's like four to five fifteen. We head home, we're home for dinner. We're still good dads. We're not neglecting the family. So I just think a lot of times you got to work the angles. A lot of times for me, it's, I went out in the garage the other night and I worked for, I don't know, maybe two hours uh, and I cut some stuff and I, you know, worked with some wood and that's exactly what I needed, right? Cheaper than therapy for a couple hours. So to me, I'd say, what are the little things that you can put in your life? And um, also, how do I do those with my kids? Like if you're a mom or dad listening, you know that it gets hard to justify those things, but going to a, you know, the park on a nice day, instead of sitting inside, bringing a book along with you, taking them for a hike and a picnic, like what are those little things that I've always loved that I can come back to? Um, they matter and experiences matter. You guys know that. Um, I recently read a book um, called The Experience Economy. And I just think we've undersold the value of experiences and we've oversold the value of information. And Man, sometimes we need, if the book is energizing, great, pick it back up. If it's exhausting and you feel like, oh man, I have to read all the time for work, then put it down and figure out a show that's life-giving to you. If you're watching too many shows and you're just kind of getting bored by it and you're binging stuff, then you may need to go back outside and challenge yourself physically. So there's no one-stop shop answer here, but if you're married, your spouse can tell you, a close friend can tell you, um, and I think it's really important to have relationships. They'll check in on you and just say, for real, man, how you doing? And you can be like, I'm frustrated. And I still remember the last conversation we had, Travis, where it's just like, man, it's 
hard leading through this COVID season. Can we just acknowledge that? Yes. And we would all say, yeah, it's been hard, right? It just has. And to have somebody say that, they're not going to fix anything for you. But just to be able uh, to, to say that, that's some days a spark that I need to just sit with a friend. Yeah. What, what can I do and what do I have? I think that's the key to that. That's the big question. Cause I've, yeah, I, we small. talk about a lot, like what, what, what I don't have, what I can't do doesn't really yep. matter. Cause I can't do it anyway. So what exactly. can I do? What do I have? Exactly. Yeah. And so one thought here, the negativity of social media comes out when we think about comparison, because the moment you're feeling bummed, you're like, you're stuck inside it's COVID. And then like your friend lives in Florida on the beach and he's like, sweet. He's like riding a horse down the beach. You know, there's like a taco party going on right there. It always involves tacos. There's, and you're like, oh, I wish I was there. Or he happens to be like, oh, this stinks. I got stuck in coast, Costa Rica and I have to quarantine here. It's like, I hate you. Eat a <laughs> banana for me. You know, like that, that's where those kind of experiences we just compare. It is toxic to us. To be like their life and their vacation. First of all, I'm glad for them. Secondly, it has nothing to do with me. I have priorities. I have things that deeply matter to me. I have a calling and I'm going to live that out. Um, and I think secondly, it, we think that if we had everything, then we'd be content. And we, we live in this more is more culture. And that's just not true. Limitations breed innovations. And so your limits, um, living within quarantine, we had to get really, really creative. Have fun with family, many of the things that we didn't like that much, like, you know, 17 gatherings at school in May and just the ridiculousness of all that got canceled. Thank God the science fair got canceled. So a lot of things got canceled. And then suddenly we have these limitations. You can't go outside. And so that's where the innovation comes from, where our kids are like, we could play cards together with our cousins over Zoom. We can work this out. And, and so I would just encourage you guys, everyone, you have limits on your life. And I have always had financial limits with four kids. We have time limits, but the lie is that with limits, you can't innovate with limits. You can't go to the next level or create anything. The opposite is true. If you had all the time and money in the world, you wouldn't be very creative with it. And so I just think eliminate that lie, hit it right where you're at. Limitations breed our best innovations for life, relationships, creativity. And, and I would say living the life we're designed to live even. You know, you hit on something that I think has been huge for me this year is, and Franklin Covey talks about this and some of their organizational development stuff is the freedom is in the discipline. And there's very specific ways that they use that. But for me, what that's meant over COVID is if I can really reduce the amount of things that I'm giving myself to and only give myself to things that I actually care about instead of all these I shoulds or musts and all these things that are just kind of poking at me that yeah, it'd be good if I could give myself to them. But as you were saying, they're, they're always kind of draining me, always just pulling little pieces. And COVID's forced us to be like, I don't have to do that right now. And I have an excuse because COVID says, hey, I don't have to give myself to either these people or these situations. And it's been super liberating because I found myself only pouring time into my relationship with my wife. We've played a ton of Uno. Like Uno has saved our life over quarantine, right? Dude, discovered I love that me some Uno. Yeah. every night with my kids. Until you get bed. slapped with that plus four and then there's fights going on in the house. Domestic oh, yeah. abuse. <laughs> oh yeah. It gets real, man. Maybe we have to cut this part out, but I mean, we got, we got Uno going on every night. We're all riled up before bed. It's serious up in our household. I'm glad you said Love that, it. man. Yeah, no, but it, it's helped me discover, like I had this conversation with Travis months ago because we've had a pretty significantly hard year. We've lost like five really close people to us two of which were my wife's father and her grandfather over that time. And he's like, what are you doing every night to rejuvenate? And I'm like, man, I'm spending time with my wife. He's like, mm, you're really trying to fill her back up because she's also unemployed right now. And so I'm working and then I go and spend that time in that relationship. What are you doing for yourself? And it, it was like him punching me in the face. I was like, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. But by stripping those other things away, it's allowed me to be like, oh, you know what? I can just take my dog on a two-hour walk around the neighborhood. And that rejuvenates me. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's simple. It's usually simpler and cheaper than we imagine, right? I think the lie is that in order to really rejuvenate, I have to go you know, out on a boat for three days. It's like, man, that's awesome when that comes. But I can't rely on fly fishing every single time that I need a little bit of a boost, right? You got a dog, you got a neighborhood, you got some legs, go for a walk. And, and so I just think that's, it's so important that we're hitting that lie 
because you see somebody else on social media and you're like, man, I have to go, you know, on a pontoon boat around this lake in 85 degrees. And you're like, no, that's just not, this is not true. It happens to be February here and it happens to be cold. So I just, um, yeah, that's so important, Brandon. That's so good, especially when you have grief and loss in there. We've lost things that we loved and, and many times people we've loved this last year as well. And I think it's even more important if we're going to replenish, not to get to zero, but to get full enough that you can actually care for your wife, that we can actually care for our friends. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the caregiving industry. I listen to people all day long. And if I don't have empathy, if I'm tired, then I'm negative. And if I'm negative about someone's life, then I can't help them. And so to me, it's like at 10 o'clock, I end up having to, to boot my 17 year old daughter out. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I know I'm old, but I need to go to bed at 10 because I start caring for my clients the moment that I get ready for bed and I get some sleep because that is going to be the energy that I live off of the next day. So I want to, I want to tie this back for a second. You were talking about designing your life, which I love how you've brought that into your brand. We also talked about the good cop, bad cop and the good and the ugly part of that. I want to touch on both of those. So if you want to start with the good, but I also want to get into the bad, what are you currently designing right now for yourself and for your family? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I'll have to pick, I'll have to pick one. Um, I would say on the macro level, let me go big and let me go small. The macro level, I am designing this company that also has a nonprofit arm, by the way, so we can serve at-risk leaders, um, that not only fits in our lives, but that complements our lives, that makes our lives beautiful and full of life. And one where I don't have to go on trips, but I get to go on trips. And that we get to do these beautiful things and it fits into the family rhythm. And as my kids get older, that I can bring them along into these experiences. That I design coaching around my life. My office is a mile away and uh, I get to go outside and it sits on a wilderness preserve and I get to walk around uh, and hike a little bit. And designing my life around that has been beautiful. Designing my life around people coming to me um, for, the, for things and saying, if you want to visit in Colorado, we've got a space for you. Uh, to write. And when we started a business, it's probably true of of most businesses, you do everything. And at some point you've got to ask to make it sustainable. How do we have other people do things? And then how do I have to figure out what I am uniquely designed to do and what I'm crazy passionate and crazy good at. Uh, And so while we had the things in place, Brandon, we're really designing those so that the whole comes together and the fist, the fingers feel like they're coming together in a fist. That's got some pop. We can change some lives with this. Um, and we have a team. And so in, in that macro, we've got, we'll, we'll soon have 23 coaches spread across the country. And the reality is I can take the coaching clients that I feel some chemistry with and everybody else can be served through our team. And so building something bigger than me where I got in the way for a season, getting out of the way. So that's kind of the macro um, that works. Um, but also we are uh, designing a plan uh, down the line um, to be able to have a retreat space. Uh, we have a dream that's to be able to own land where people actually come and physically replenish there on the land. And the first steps toward, toward that are actually hosting experiences across the country. And so um, I have access to several retreat spaces where leaders can come replenish across the country. I'm heading out uh, to Charlotte, near Charlotte, to, to check one out. And former executive at Disney um, owns this uh, you know, amazing land. And so we're going to be having these connections but that isn't the end game. The end game is that we'd actually be able to have people come to us and replenish on land uh, that we own and that we can give people keys to or codes to kind of thing. And so the big is this whole uh, conglomeration of people, this community that is Stay Forth Designs um, that ultimately can feed our family as well uh, down the line. And then uh, on a smaller scale, um, this retreat space that physically can replenish um, leaders across the country who are tired I need a space uh, for fun, for food, and um, for, for some beautiful people. I think there's something very important in there that we need to clarify, though. When you talk about this design for your life, and like I'm designing this life where I can be flexible and I can do the things I love, and I can, you know, that, that's what you want for your life. I, and then we're talking about comparing our reality to people's Facebook feed how long have you been working on this design? This is not something that happens overnight. We talk a lot about putting in all the work that people don't see to get to that point where people can say, wow, Alan Briggs is lucky. Like he, he really has it good. How much work has gone in so far 
to where you are and, and what does that look like? Yeah, it's, it's a hard, great question. Hard question to answer. I would say at least 20 years. I mean, maybe 25. When I was in my teens, I began leading people on experiences um, in the wilderness. I didn't know how to name that, um, but I would go lead backpacking trips. I would lead other people and I was designing experiences. Never for a minute did I think I would ever get paid to do that. And being paid, by the way, to do something for me is not a way to get rich. It's a way for me to justify my time to live out the things that truly matter to me. At some point, we got to figure out what's the value of money. And so to me, it is to justify the things that, that I want to do with my time. And, and so time really equals freedom and purpose and meaning. So 25 years, maybe, Travis, working toward this moment. Now, I didn't realize if I look back and reverse engineer that the trips got bigger the opportunities got better. Um, we talked earlier, people would say something like, well, I've got connection to somebody in this state. If you ever, I don't know, let me know. And I think they have a place. And I'm the guy that actually sends them an email back a week later. Hey, do you mind introducing me to that person? I, I would go in and ask. Worst they can say is no. I would put the money up before we knew if anybody was going to sign up. And so we've been doing that now for a long time. And those things publicly are starting to click. And so I, I think it's, like you say, it's easy to see somebody, we didn't get here overnight. It's been a long, long time. And frankly, I didn't even know this is what we were working toward. I didn't even know leaders would want to get together on an experience and would pay and would want to be part of something uh, like what we were doing. On the same side, I've been accidentally coaching people for probably almost that long since I was in my teen years. So those two converging in many ways is beautiful to think about. We're heading toward, and first it was two. First, it was before two, it was one. It was just do one experience. Let's see if it works. Can we pull it off? And we didn't go broke on that, but I tell you, we did not make any money. We're funding it out of our own pocket going, does this work? Proof of concept. And so the hard work, the risks, the anxiety, the, oh, is this a smart idea? Is this a smart decision? The conversation with my wife ahead of time on, I think eventually people will pay for this. How do we do it cheap now? We did the very best we could with what we had at the moment. And we kept doing that. And eventually it led us to a space where I go, I can't believe that I get to do this all, all day, all week. I can't believe that this is literally my job as it com combines with my vocation. You made it. You're there. You've arrived. I mean, it feels weird, but seriously, like what, what is arriving? Like, right. I'm going to be better at my craft, you know, years from now. I'm working toward the 10,000 hour rule. Like, but, but literally when I go, how many people go home at the end of the week and say, I'm doing what I'm designed to do. Even like partially, right? You're not going to get there hundred percent, but Travis, it was 5%. It was first in my own time. And then it was in a lot of my role before. And then I was getting to coach some more on the side and I see how the pieces fit together. Uh, but nobody's just going to walk up to you and offer you your hundred percent dream job. That's going to work for you for 10 years with great money and all that. You're probably going to have to create it. And it's probably a constellation of things. Did you have any times in there where you doubted that this was the right thing? Yeah, are we talking last week or the week before? Right. <laughs> uh, oh, what, what, let me re, let me re ask that question. <laughs> what what are some what are some of the most important or memorable times where you came up on self doubt and uh, asked yourself, "Is this worth it? Is this the right place?" What were some of those times, and how did you handle them? What did you do? There's a couple of hinge moments. I remember the first experience that we hosted. And I remember somebody, they said, what's your model for these experiences? And I love learning from people way ahead of me. The problem is it's intimidating, right? Because you see them for who they are now, but they forgot that first experience. And a guy said to me, I don't like your model. And what I heard was this will never work. And it was just like, oh. Now what he's saying is, I think you need to have a better financial engine or marketing engine to fund this thing. Now, now I know that. But in the moment, it feels like, man, I didn't need somebody else doubting me. I'm already doubting myself over here, <laughs> right? And I was filling in the blank. You're too what? Too young, too poor, too whatever to be taking these big risks. Um, that's a someday kind of thing. So that was a huge moment um, for me. And then just, uh, I mean, two months later, we're on this experience and I went, this is magic. Like, this is incredible. These are the kind of things that, that I want to be part of. But there were decisions. I had to inconvenience other people. I had to ask hard things from them. Um, Travis, I think what gets exhausting 
for me, those micro moments of if you've ever bootstrapped a business, you know that you're, you're literally stealing from one area of your life to feed another area of your life. And you're like, man, how long can we wait to go to Costco? And then you're like, man, but this thing over here could be really helpful there. Oh, this would be awesome to put in our vacation fund. But if we fund this thing, it could produce something here and it gets exhausting. And so anyone who's bootstrapped a business, you know, the gig. Um, and so I think those little micro moments along the way, um, I just went, man, I don't know. And then probably the one as a speaker was I was um, writing books at the time and I was, you know, uh, seeing speaking opportunities in, in other states and you start to say, man, you know, this is, this is awesome. Uh, this is happening. I'm getting paid to travel and do what I love and sometimes bring my family along and you know, go to great places and eat great food. And remember there was one uh, class that I was actually teaching for free in Colorado Springs. And there was a night um, that, and we were recording this for anyone to watch, wanted to watch it later. Um, but there was a night that one person walked in for that class. One worse person walked in for that class and that person left halfway through straight up. So I am teaching to a camera in the back that I realized there's not even someone operating this camera. And this was a class that had been requested for me to teach. There's zero people in the room. I'm teaching to people and I had the decision. I'm not going to pretend anyone's in the room, but am I going to give the people on the other end, potentially watching this later, my best, or am I going to be like, cool guys, looks like I'm a failure. Nobody wants to learn about this. I'm out. And that was the last time that's happened. Um, thankfully, like, other humans have showed up in other times, but those are discouraging along the way. And so I just feel like, man, you want to be a communicator? You probably got to speak to an empty room and feel that pain or disappointment once in a while. You want to be a business owner? You probably need to have a month that's really slim to go, oh, this is how it works for every industry. Um, the last one, while we're on discouraging moments, I got one more for you. When COVID hit in eight days, we lost about four months of business. Wow. So just to conceptualize, we were, we were in flight. I'd actually said, I think this is going to be the best work summer of my life. I had trips planned, stuff locked in, and then budget freezes hit. Coaching is seen as auxiliary. Experiences get canceled. And I'm left with, okay, I'm not even thinking about how do we revive the business. I'm thinking about how does my family survive during this time? And that was a, a massive moment. And that was a crucible. And as we pushed through, as we made decisions, we scrambled. We, um, you know, went a little bit outside of some of the things we normally would charge for and offered some other things that get scrappy. Um, we obviously made it through. We're alive. We're on the other side of it. My family's, uh, you know, still warm and well-fed. We didn't have to turn the heat off. We still live in our house. Um, and I am more convinced than ever that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I just think those thin moments where you think, oh, it's time to throw in the towel, maybe the crucible that you need to head to the next level where you just keep going. And so you just keep pushing through those. And what I heard from that story of teaching to an empty room is you decided in that moment, I'm going to keep adding value because eventually somebody's going to hear it and it will be valuable. Even if it's not being heard right now, yep. I'm going to just add the value. And if nobody listens on the other end, I'm going to go watch that later and I'm going to become a better communicator. I'm going to say less ums. I'm going to waste less time. And we can always do that. There's two buckets, man. There's the bucket that everybody else controls and there's the bucket that I control. What do I control? Nobody's going to work harder on being a communicator than I am. And that's my decision, right? If we have a podcast and to me, I go back and listen to the episodes and go, man, I want to be the best interviewer possible. And I want to listen to other people who are great interviewers. And we've got the opportunity to work hard and do what we're called to do. And we have that choice. That is the bucket that we can fill. Who all listens to it? We can work hard. We can market well, but we can't control that ultimately. I can control how I show up. And do I show up as somebody that is professional, that is excellent, and that brings value in the world? I can control that. And what do I do when nobody's watching? That's right. Literally, when no one tunes on. <laughs> or just behind you know? the scenes. Like when there is no audience, am I doing the right things to get me prepared for when there is one? I think that's, that's a big part of it right there is just being prepared so that when you are in front of an audience or, you know, figuratively speaking, that you're ready and that people can say, wow, Alan's a great speaker. Well, I spent a thousand hours this year talking to the mirror. <laughs> yep. That's right. Yeah. How much is it worth to you? And, and I think quick success can actually be quite damaging. 
because then you believe this is how it always is. Mm -hmm. It's and almost a false sense of success. Really. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe you hit the market at just the right time, you know, and I think those in their thirties, uh, now I, I didn't feel the economic crash. It was just after college, you know, I didn't really have anything to lose. Um, but this crash has hit a lot of people uh, in their thirties and even early forties saying, I haven't really hit anything hard in my life, economically speaking. And this was really, really hard. And that's when we developed that grit, that resilience and that ability to go, man, sometimes surviving is thriving. And those leaders that can make it through, uh, can be healthy, can confront the brutal facts, confront the brokenness and the unhealth in myself, man, we get to offer that to other people in the next season. I worked on myself a lot in the season and I, you know, I'm in counseling currently and, and that's been a gift to me. I'm around leaders that sometimes say prickly stuff to me. I go seek out mentors who will give me the hard facts and who are incredibly accomplished and make me feel like I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I went into my tax pro and our CPA and got some advice today, had no idea what he's talking about with half the stuff, but I have assignments to go do and I have next steps to go do and it's my choice to, to do them or not. And so I, I hope that's encouraging to you guys listening. If you're completely desperate right now, we've been there before. Everybody has, it's risk anything. If you failed at something, we've been there before. Uh, some of us are currently there and just feeling discouraged in that. Turns out you're normal if you get discouraged. So I think just normalizing that too is part of it, Travis. Yeah, absolutely. I know I've learned a ton about myself this year too with, you know, we have a service industry business and I went on vacation and came home to a shutdown tap room. And the things that we were, you know, we were forced to innovate uh, or we close. And so <laughs> that'll make you innovate real quick. But that's right. You know, but, but what it proved to me, and I, I hope that it proved to my team at the brewery is that we are capable of doing big things. It doesn't, we don't have to wait for a pandemic and for external uh, restrictions and regulations for us to be innovative, for us to do big things. Uh, but it proved to us throughout this year that even when it's the worst that it's ever been, we can still put ourselves in the right places and do the right things. And even if it's just surviving for a season, you know, we probably did all of those things to survive. Whereas had we not done the drive-in movie and the beer bungalows and, you know, all that stuff, we probably wouldn't have even survived, but it proved to us that we can. And so I'm really hopeful for 2020 for FH Beer Works that we can take that positive, like th that confidence into this year and say, now it's up to us. Now it's on our terms. What are we going to do? How big can we get? And, and not like just production wise, but what kind of big things can we do? because we've done the hard stuff now and we made it through the hard stuff and we thrived in the hard stuff. So when it's easy and when it's good again, what are we going to do with that knowledge and that experience? How do we, how do we stay hungry when we feel like we don't have to and, and necessity isn't driving us? We got to create some self-imposed goals. Uh, I know people who want to write a book and I help. That's one thing I help people do is to write a book and to build a pathway to that. And most people that don't have a publisher don't end up writing a book because they have no external um, sort of gun to their head of saying, you better have this in by this time, you know, and I'm painting publishers like some, you know, mafia mob, but like, here's, here's your deadline. Right. But it's like, well, I could write that. I talked to a guy the other day and he's like no further along than on an idea than it was two years ago. And it's like, man, what if we could say now is the time? How do we stay hungry? A question that I love that I've been asking recently is what would have to be true? So what would have to be true? to double our seating in the winter. Well, uh, we could put greenhouses outside and we could actually serve them beer and tacos in there. Oh, maybe after COVID and we don't have to do that. You literally could double your seating by doing that. We proved that it can work. What would have to be true in order to utilize the back three acres of our property? What would have to be true in order for me to get twice as much done in half as much time? What would have to be true? And I think it's a great question for you guys listening to ask yourselves. What would have to be true? And when we forced ourselves, right, we put the limitation up and then bam, watch the innovation, um, you know, come up at scale. Do you have any advice or insight on how do we create those internal deadlines for ourselves? Like how do, how do you keep yourself motivated? It's got to start with priority. Um, and so there's long deadlines and short deadlines. We've curated this journal called the Right Side Up Journal. And for me, 10 minutes a day. I don't know how you can live life on purpose without pausing at some point. 
I've tried other ways, but for me, without 10 minutes a day, actually looking at my schedule, actually kind of zooming out over it, then I don't know how I can not be dragged around by my cell phone all day, dragged around by my meetings all day, dragged around by my commitments all day. And then there's 30 minutes a week where I get to look back and analyze the last week and reflect. I don't know how we become better leaders without reflecting and going, yeah, failed in that area this week. Um, and then I look ahead. And so that look back, look ahead takes about 30 minutes. And other than 100 minutes a week, I don't know how to do that. And to me, I've said, in that amount of time, that's enough for me to prioritize to make those short term. Now, in the, in the front of that journal, we've got 30-day goals, you know, and um, those monthly goals, I think, are healthy. But I'm a big fan of quarterly goals. It's just far enough out that we can actually plan, but it's not so far out. In COVID year, who knows what's going to be true in a year. But three months, you go, man, I could plan something big in three months. Uh, you know, and that's also how quarters go with business. We have a little bit better picture on how it's going. So to me, I think we've got to have those small pieces where we look proactively instead of reactively. And we've got to prioritize. Oh, you can't do all the things. Say that thing really matters to me. Here's my priority. And we've got to have zoom out long-term things that we say, this is the thing that I am heading toward. And so how do you make that dream into an actionable goal? You've got to have some investments. And every investment is based on delayed gratification. So I think about here are those big things, like for us, the property, we're going to own property at some point. I don't know if somebody is going to give it to us or we're going to, you know, sell something. Who knows how it's going to happen. But I do know that the steps toward that are getting really good at leading experiences, building relationships with people who have bought property and built something like we want to, getting close with them, learning how they did it, sharing the vision with people, saying it out loud. Those are the right steps to get where we're going. And maybe someday we'll be best in class at leading these experiences. And it'll just make sense that we end up buying our own place instead of renting it or borrowing it from others. That's awesome. So talk to me a little bit about the mindset of finding that because you touched on the journal and I definitely want to get more in depth with that if we can and how it helps you kind of set goals and reflect 10 minutes and you said 100 minutes in a week. Is there a mindset piece to that? Because I can sit down with my journal and get some goal that I'm not inspired by and reflect at the end of the week and be like, oh, I suck again. And just do that over and over and deflate myself. What, what do we need to take into that before we start that reflection process? Yeah, I think, well, let's talk about the morning. The morning starts the night before. And I'm a nerd with this um, because literally I get up when it's dark outside. Uh, I have become a morning person. I used to be a night person. And I realized that I think I've always had the potential to be a morning person, but I uh, was just lazy in going to bed. So I just call it what it is. I was lazy. So I go to bed later and then you get in this cycle. You have to drink enough coffee and then you're tired and then you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm still up. Well, I'll stay up late. And I just, we get in that bad cycle or that bad loop. And I just had to say, how do I get ahead of this day? How do I get momentum on things? And so I think momentum is one of those or traction would be another one. And it's like, man, here is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it every single day. Um, I did that with my writing and I had to say, all right, how do I, I have limitations. So I created some innovations and I said, how do I write three books in three straight years? How do I write a book a year? How do I do that? Having never written a full length book. And the answer to that was I can't get away for a cabin, uh, you're to a cabin, you know, for a whole month or something. I have kids. I can't just go away for a week. And I don't know that I would be that effective in that either. So I've got to carve out three hours a week that deeply matter to me. Well, to do that, I have to know my why. To do that, I also have to eliminate anything from those three hours um, that I'm going to do. Put it on my schedule on repeat. I have to keep things away from that. And so I knew my why. I knew my how, which was the strategy and the process. Blocked that time off. Uh, and then I incrementally, three hours at a time, wrote a book, three straight years. Um, same coffee shop, same black cup of coffee, uh, pretty much the same table. Nobody's fighting for a table at 6 a.m. And it was like, nobody's tapping me on the shoulder to get up. But that six to nine time frame, this is how I'm going to move from an aspiring author to an actual author. Um, and so that was it. Nothing glorious about it. But I think to answer your question, Brandon, I had to know my why deep down. Because if I don't write this, other people will be believing lies. If I don't write this, they won't receive the freedom that is available to them. If I don't write this, they won't know how to get unstuck. Man, I have a duty right now to the world to serve them by sitting down for three hours a week, drinking my two cups of coffee in the same seat and to write this thing. 
And Travis, you got to be there at a launch party. That's very different because suddenly people are involved and it goes on Amazon, this large website, you may have heard of it. You know, it's a, turns out like people can go on there and buy stuff, including books. And someday it will be very public, but it always, commitments always start privately um, with conviction. And so that's, that's true in, in that space. Hopefully that answers your question. I mean, I can go as granular as we want in the process, but um, we literally designed that for other people. We took about a year on the journal to say what's missing. Coaching isn't enough every other week. It's incredible. We're seeing life change. But every single day, we've got to get some touches. And I can't define and tell Travis what's important in his life. I can't tell you what's important to your life. Listeners, I can't tell you what's important, but I knew what mattered to my life. Here's the, the life that I'm designed to live. And then you've got to reverse engineer it and say, man, I want to live on purpose. Turns out I need 10 minutes a day to do that. Well, I should probably have the same place it's a physical journal too. I need to touch it. Like it needs to be tactile. I'm looking at it right now. I have space to put notes on there and everything throughout the day. Uh, and I can look back at the end of the day and say, I didn't get a thousand things done, but I got the 12 done that I um, was designed to do. And then I committed to do, uh, and then I go home feeling good because I'm accomplished. I didn't do it all, but I did what I was supposed to do today on Tuesday. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll add to that. I went to your book, uh, launch party and I was like man Alan Briggs he's lucky he got it figured out <laughs> lucky lucky hey next time I'm writing a book I'm gonna text your mug at 540 and say cool leaving for the coffee shop it's 12 degrees outside come on let's I'll, do this I'll come with you and write my book so that people can tell me I'm lucky <laughs> group group accountability group we just stay quiet and sit in the same place yeah. that's actually a good idea yeah we already do it anyway we're all socially distant so <laughs> You know, we tried that, Travis and I and one of our friends, we tried to do a mastermind setup and I was actually doing two masterminds a week with people in the community right before COVID hit. We got in like a month and a half of them. And that accountability, I don't think that's something we give enough credit to. As soon as you tell somebody, hey, this is my passion and the thing that I want to build. I mean, that Travis and I have been fueling off each other since we were three years old doing that. And it's like, this is the goal. And everyone's all just check in and say, hey, did you make any progress today? And if not, why? And if you didn't, that's okay. But what are your roadblocks? And going back to those relationships, you're always giving, you're always putting value in other people, but there's something to be said about those people that will just knock on you and be like, Hey, why are you not doing the thing you committed to? You have some of those in your life other than your wife, probably. Yeah. And what's interesting is rarely will you guys have something like what you guys have from a young age. You'll almost always have to invite somebody in to do that. And so I need to invite people in to my life for that. If you also get around the kind of people that do this, um, then it becomes much easier. So a, a well-done mastermind group, that these are people who just accomplish things. They push hard. They have a lot of drive. You get around people with drive and you go, this is normal. So, you know, just hearing a lot of people talk about the five people um, that are around you. Uh, that are your biggest influences or biggest reflection of you. And so taking a look at your friends and saying, who's influencing me. And so to me, if I want to be a good dad and I'm around people that just don't care about their kids and that's just not one of their top five goals, we're just going to stop hanging out. We just are. Cause one of the biggest things in my life, one of the biggest both blessings and challenges is how do I raise these kids? How do I raise them to be healthy adults someday. And if you don't care about your own kids, I just don't know how we can stay friends because that is a massive thing for me. And it's not like I'm out of this relationship. I may see you once in a while at the coffee shop, but I'm probably not going to check back in at a deep level with you. And so I think mastermind groups are a way to create some of that accountability. Um, but I just think there's no substitute for the personal discipline. That is, what are you willing to give up? And somebody, you know, people have asked literally, it's like, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't watch sports anymore. You know, if I do awesome, but I have also have limitations. I get like three stations. Uh, and I just like, I don't care about dumb TV anymore. When it's time to go to bed, I'm like, Oh, I'm tired. You know, I take a nap. I'm in my office. Look at my couch. Right? I take a nap almost every single day for 30 minutes in the middle of the day. So I can recharge and be ready to go. It's not fair to people at three o'clock that they didn't get what the people did at 9am. You know? So it's just, to me, it's like that, that is how much it is worth it for me to be able to do this and to be able to design around it. What would have to be true for me to still have energy at 5 p.m. in what I'm doing? Well, maybe a nap, 
maybe schedule less spots here, maybe go for a hike in the middle of the day and just figure that out and it happens slowly. But I think just, again, designing your life and building your way toward it, it's not just going to, you're not just going to rip the bandaid off and have it right now. It's more of a crock pot, less of a microwave. Alan, there's so much valuable information here. Thank you for sharing it with our listeners. Before we let you go though, you're offering a free curated email. Can you tell us a little bit about what in, is included with that and how people can access that, you, your journal? Let's feed the beast. Yeah, absolutely, man. The, um, the question that I get from people all the time when we sit down is, what are you doing these days and what are you learning? And I started to realize those were the two big questions. And I thought, why don't I just send those uh, to people who would like to hear that? First of all, it was just kind of saving some time. So I had a list of 10 or 12 people uh, and it's grown and it's now an email called change makers. And so if you're the kind of person making change in the world and what I'm doing and what I'm learning can help you, not because I'm awesome, but because maybe this will give you a little bit of courage, right? This is like, you know, what hopefully this email is to your life and leadership, what alcohol is to karaoke, right? It's like, hey, it's just going to give you that, <laughs> that last little bit that you need to get up there and sing that song that you maybe should not be singing into the microphone that loud. You know, just a little bit of liquid courage for your leadership. So it's called Changemakers. Uh, and you can just head on over uh, to stayforth.com and, and take a peek there. You can sign up for the Changemakers email um, that I've got. And just a curated email every other week. I get great feedback. Literally, I got a text from a real estate agent today that just said, man, thanks for adding value through your emails. Anytime you get an email and you're glad you got an email, I don't know about you, but that's like a minor miracle. So I'm like, pretty proud that I'm uh, like actually writing something that can help people versus one more thing from people. Um, kind of thing. So that's change makers. And uh, yeah, we talked about the journal. I'm so stoked about the journal. We're on the second edition of this bad boy. And again, we've, um, you know, blood, sweat and tears into this thing. We have leaders literally all across the country. Um, we don't ship internationally, uh, all across the country that are um, going through it. So again, 10 minutes a day, it's called the right side up journal. It's just right side up journal.com. No dashes in there. So uh, that's about where you can find us. But dudes, I'm just so glad you guys are doing this. Uh, congrats. This podcast is launched. I'm super excited for some of the guests you have coming on and been hearing about a lot of things that are brewing uh, with you guys as well. And so I know it's just, it's just the start. It's not just a podcast. There's a lot of ways that you guys are adding value to people and changing the world. So I'm here cheering you on. I'm just, I'm just a fanboy here showing up uh, to you guys today. Well, man, thanks again for being here. So much wisdom, so much insight. Uh, you know, you're a big part of where I am in my life and and we just appreciate you coming on and adding your own value uh, to what we're trying to do. So thanks for being here. Stayforth.com, Right Side Up Journal. Uh, and Alan's got three books. So check them out. Alan, thanks again, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks. All thanks right. Sir. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you.